All right, let me get into the message. I'm really, really, really excited about this one tonight. We're in this brand new series, It Is Written. And honestly, you know, one of the things we're very, very passionate about as a church is the one-year Bible. I talk about it often. It, you know, it's, to me, that's the one thing, if, I, if, if I'm going to have to remind you to do something every single Sunday, it's not going to be take an offering. You know, for that, that's just not, you know, I'm not going to waste my time reminding people every single week to give to God. That's, that's between you and him. If I've got to, as a pastor, remind you to do something every week, it's going to be to read your Bible, the one-year Bible. Let's get into the Bible because I know that will change your life more than, and that's why we don't do offerings around here because I don't want to, you know, if, if, again, like I said, you know, I grew up in a church where, where that's what the pastor reminded us to do. Every single week was to give. I'd rather remind you to read the Bible every week because I feel like if I can get you to do that, I get like extra credit in heaven. Like that, that just like as a pastor, I'm going to be doing really well if I can get you into God's word. And so that's what this whole series is designed around. And, and I believe there's no single discipline in the Christian faith more important than reading God's word. You see, prayer is when we talk to God. Reading the Bible is when God talks to us. And if you can only do one of those, now, now I hope you do both. Like, I, re- I think you need both in your life, but if you can only do one of them, can I tell you what, what you have to say to God is nowhere near as important as what God has to say to you. So if you can only do one, you need to listen to what God has to say to you. I mean, it, it, God speaking to you is so much more important than you speaking to God. Like, you need to hear God's heart and get God's, God's thoughts into your life. So as we begin this series, let me start with this, this concept of this right here, the Bible. This is not a normal book. This book is living, it's breathing, it's supernatural, and I've got a major challenge tonight because I've got to explain something to you that cannot be explained, and that's a problem. You know, it's like, how do I explain something that you really can't explain? Because this book right here is something that, that I can't help you intellectually figure out, and, and I can't logically make it make sense to you. Because it's something that has to be experienced. Because it is a very supernatural book. The book is full of power. It's full of life. The book itself really is God when you think about it. Let me show you this scripture to kind of set this up. John says, in the beginning was the word. And, and we know John's talking about Jesus here. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Think about that. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word, the, the word was God. So the Bible is Jesus, and Jesus is the Bible, and Jesus is God. And I know that's a little difficult to understand, and so Jesus kind of broke it down a little bit more. This isn't in your notes, but later on in the chapter, it says, the Word became flesh. In other words, Jesus said, I know you're going to have a hard time figuring this, this whole thing out, so why don't I come down and take on human form and really illustrate this whole thing out to you? You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm going to walk this out so, so that this can make more sense to you. And Jesus became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us here on planet Earth. And so my goal through this series, through the next four weeks, is to get you to love the Bible, to get you to, to learn from the Bible, to get you to, to live out the Bible. And I don't want to assume that kind of we're all on the same page and, and, and we all, we all, you know, we're all from different places. And that's one of the things I love about our church. A couple years ago, we had a lady from the community, very, very successful lady. And she came up to me after service and she had the one year Bible reading guide that we do as a church. And she said, can you help me figure this thing out? 
And I was like, oh, absolutely. It's easy. We're on day 83. She said, no, no, no. What do these numbers mean? I'm like, what do you mean? The, the numbers here, it's like, like on the TV, you've got this guy's name, like who's John? Is he part of the church? And, and then there's these numbers here, like, like what do those numbers mean? And I loved it. It was like one of my favorite questions I think I've ever been asked as a pastor because it means we're, we're, you know, we, we don't ever want to assume that people know what we know. And I don't ever want to take for granted that, that people understand kind of what, what so many of us who grew up in the church just, just take for granted. And so I, I got to help her understand, well, John is the guy that wrote this part of the Bible. It's, it's, it's a manuscript, and God kind of gave him the words and inspired him, and he wrote this, this long manuscript. And then years later, some scholars came along, and they wanted to make it easier for us to read. So they, they broke out the manuscript into chapters and verses so that we could navigate and find our way around and just make it a little easier. And she goes, well, that's, a, that's an amazing idea. Did you come up with that idea? I was like, yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it's brilliant when you think about it. And so that's kind of how that came about. And, and we just don't want to take for granted as a church that everybody kind of gets what we get and knows what we know. And so, so let, let me open up with this thought tonight. If Jesus and the Bible are one and the same, like, like the word was with God and the word is God. If Jesus and the Bible are the same, let me ask you a question. If Jesus showed up tonight, here's a thought for you. If Jesus showed up like in flesh and blood here tonight, would you agree with me that, that miracles would probably take place? Like people would get healed. Like everywhere Jesus went, people got healed. I mean, like blind people and deaf people and, and dead people wouldn't stay dead very long around Jesus. They'd, they'd get up from the dead and, and just incredible miracles took place when Jesus was around. I think we would all agree that, that if Jesus was here, there'd be incredible power and incredible miracles. Well, here's the thought. If Jesus and the Bible are the same, then this book is filled with power. Like there is power in this book book that is available to be unlocked and to be activated in our life. In other words, the Bible is alive. See, it's not just pages filled with ink, but this book is literally living and breathing. It is the very life of God, the breath of God. Jesus said it like this, the words I have spoken, like my word, the the words that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, within the very word that I'm speaking is the power to see it fulfilled. Like there's power in the word. Like in the word itself, there is the power to bring this word to fulfillment in your life. Hebrews goes on to say it like this, for the word of God, and, and it's talking about the Bible here because Jesus was already in the heaven. The word of God is living and active. Think about that for a moment. This book that we have is living and it is active. It's not, it's not a normal book. It's not a history book. It's not an ancient manuscript. It is living. It is active. goes on to say sharper than any double-edged sword. In other words, this thing will perform surgery on you. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Or it'll get all up in your stuff. Like, like, it'll mess with you. This book right here will get all up in your junk. It'll mess with you. It, it, it'll, it'll do, because it, it, it's not just filled with information. 
But the very power is in the word itself. It, it divides joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So here's my challenge tonight. My challenge is to try to get you as excited about God's word as I am excited about God's word. That's my challenge. How do I get you as fired up about this book as I'm fired up about this book? And here's my problem. For many people, when they read the Bible, it feels complicated. It feels mundane. It feels lifeless. Like, like we read it and it's like, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. You're talking about like it lives, lives, and breathes. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't do that when I read it. And so what I want to do is first off, give you some basic theology about the Bible and then help make it very, very practical so that it can come alive. Because the book is alive. And I get the fact that for many people, it doesn't feel that way. So here's the question of the night. How do I get this book to come alive? How do I get it to, to be living and active and breathing and powerful? Like, how does this book actually work? So let me give you a quick teaching on it, and then we're going to get very, very practical. Here, here's the first part. you got to understand that faith activates the word. Faith activates the word. Faith is the switch that turns the power on. Like, like this book is, is filled with electricity, but there's got to be a switch to turn it on. There, there's a switch that makes it live and breathe and become very, very active in your life. And faith is that switch. Again, look at Hebrews. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. So, so there's two groups of people, and they're both hearing the same message. They're both hearing the same Bible. They're both hearing the same word. But the message they heard, and, and again, they were hearing the very same message. The message they heard was of no value to them. And again, that's where many people are at today. They read the Bible, and it's like, there's no value to it. it, it it's not coming alive. It's not turned on. It's not active. Like, like, I don't get it. You're talking about this book being living and breathing. I don't feel it. I don't see it. It's not that way for me. It, honestly, there's no value. I, it's just complicated, and, and I don't get it. There's no value to it, and here's why. Because those who heard did not, look at this, combine it with faith. See, faith is what makes it work. You've got to mix this book with faith for it to come to life. See, faith, faith is what connects the natural to the supernatural. That's what faith is, connects natural to the supernatural. And some of you are saying, well, that's the problem. I need more faith. How do I get more faith? So here it goes. Revelation. Revelation activates faith. Faith activates the word revelation. Revelation activates faith. When you read something in God's word, like, like there's times where I've read the same passage over and over and over and over. And then all of a sudden I'm reading it one day and it just, it, it, it like jumps off the page. It's like, look at me, look at me. And the, the verse is highlighted. And all of a sudden in my brain, it just unlocks and I get the meaning of it. I get the understanding of it. God takes that verse and says, I'm speaking that to you personally right now. I'm giving you revelation of it. And it just, it, it, it just begins to breathe and it produces faith in our heart. Now, 
to help, help you understand this a little bit more, let me take you into the Greek language for a moment. The, the New Testament of our Bible was written in the ancient Greek language. In the ancient Greek language, there's actually two words for the word word in the Greek. I know that sounds funny. Two words for the word word in the Greek. And you need to understand each of these words for this message to make sense to you. The first word in the Greek is the Greek word logos. Logos. Oftentimes you read the New Testament, it says the word, and it would be the Greek word logos, and that means the written word. Like it, it's the written or even the heard or spoken word. It's like, it's logos. It's, it's like, like they heard the message, but it was no value to them. Well, what they heard was logos because it had not been revealed to them yet. The second Greek word you see for the word word in the Bible is rhema. Rhema is the revealed word. It's revelation. It's when logos becomes revealed. Like you've read it a hundred times. It's logos. It's the written word. It's there. It's on the page. It's full of ink. And then one day you read it and it's glowing. It makes sense. It's like God's speaking it right to you and it becomes rhema. It becomes the revealed word for you. Let me give you an example of this in scripture. It's a story that all of us know. It comes out of the, even if you're not a Christian, you know this story. It's the story of Christmas. It's the angel. The angel comes to Mary. The angel gives Mary information, logos. He speaks to her information, logos again, and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to get pregnant. You're going to have a baby. You're a virgin. And, and the baby that you're going to have is God. And at this moment, It's not revealed to Mary. It's just logos. It's just information. It's just facts. And she's struggling. And she's like many of us when we read the Bible and we we look at it, we're like, well, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And Mary says, how will this be? Like, like, I don't understand what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, Like, what are you saying? What are you saying, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, So then what the angel does is he now reveals to her how God is going to do it. He now takes the information, the logos that he spoke to her, and now he's going to give her rhema and reveal it. And I want you to see what happens. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So he's now, he's revealing to her how it's going to happen. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now look at this. For no word from God. Now, this is the Greek word rhema here. This is the Greek word rhema. For no revealed word, for no revelation from God. No rhema from God will ever fail. Now, that's good news right there. That's news that you need to know. That when God reveals something to you, when God takes a scripture and illuminates it, you you can take it to the bank. That will never fail you. It is the revealed word of God. You can build your life on that. And then look what Mary does. She says, well, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, and again, this is the Greek word rhema, may this revealed word, may this revelation, may this rhema that you just gave me be fulfilled. And immediately she got pregnant. It's powerful, isn't it? She accepted the rhema. Like she didn't get it at first. The angel revealed it to her. She said, all right, Here's the rhema, I accept it. May it be done to me as you have spoken, as you have revealed it to me. May it be done, and immediately she got pregnant. That's the power of rhema in our life. So how does the Bible come alive? Faith. Faith is what makes it come alive. How do you get faith? Rhema, revelation, revealed word of God. Well, that brings me to that next question. How do I get revelation? 
Like, how, how does Logos become Rhema in my life? Like, like I've read it a hundred times. How does it become revealed where it begins to activate? It begins to glow. It begins to jump off the page. It begins to work in my life. Meditation. Meditation. Meditation activates revelation. This is the key. When you take Logos and you meditate on Logos, it becomes revealed in your spirit. Meditation means you slow down and you chew on it. It's like, it's like gnawing on a bone. You, you kind of gnaw on that bone to get all the nutrients out of it. Joshua said it like this. Do not let this book of the law, do not let God's word, do not let the Bible depart from your mouth. Like chew on it. Like chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. And he actually uses an agricultural term. He says meditate, which in the Hebrew was the word for cows chewing on the cud. Like meditate on it day and night. Like, like chew on it. Like don't, don't, don't get it out of your mouth, but just chew on it all day long. Now, I grew up in Texas, and in Texas we had a lot of farms and a lot of cows. And, and you know, cows are funny creatures because they'll, they'll, they'll get some grass and they'll start eating it. And then they'll swallow it, and then they do the most disgusting thing. They kind of bring it back up, regurgitate it back in their mouth, and they chew on it a little bit more, and then they swallow it, and then they bring it right back up and chew on it. I mean, I mean they're, just, they're trying to get all the nutrients out of it. And I know like that goes way over your head because you're California people. This is like Southern Cal, and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never even seen a cow. It's like, so, so, so let, let, let me give you kind of the Hebrew word for this in a way that a California person will understand from one of my favorite videos of SeaWorld. One of my favorite things to do with my son is to go watch the walrus. So watch, watch this walrus with me, and I want you to think about this word meditation. There he is. He's got his lunch, throws his lunch up, eats it again, throws it up, eats it again. I mean, I mean, a meal is always, you know, the best the night time around, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, he, he's, he's enjoying this meal as long as he can enjoy this meal. I mean, he just keeps throwing it up and chewing on it for a while and throwing it up and, and chewing on it for a while. And, you know, it's just grossing everyone out. I just love this walrus because... Because this is exactly what Joshua is talking about. This is the word that Joshua is using. Meditate. Meditate. Here's my goal. I want you to treat the Bible like this walrus is treating his meal. This is exactly what I want you to do with God's word. I want you to chew on it a while. I want you to swallow it. I want you to bring it back up. Chew on it some more. Swallow it. Bring it back up. Chew on it some more. Here's the thing. When your relationship with the Bible goes to that level, I'm telling you, when your relationship with the Bible goes to that level, let me show you what will happen. Look at the end of the verse. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. See, this is a promise for people who meditate on God's word day and night, who, who do not let it depart their mouth, but they, but they chew on it. They're, they're getting all the nutrients out of it. You will be prosperous and successful. The more you meditate on God's word, the more it becomes revealed, the more revelation you get. And revelation stirs your faith and faith makes it work. And I want that for your life desperately. As your pastor, I want you to experience that. So the question is how? Well, you need a life that is built on God's word. You have to build your life on a sure foundation. 
Jesus says it like this in Matthew 7. I'm using the Message Bible paraphrase. This is a paraphrase from the translation. And I love reading the message at times because it kind of just illustrates things I'm reading in the Bible. And then I want to, I want to kind of get a different take or more, uh, you know, just a unique angle on it. I'll read the message. And, and here's what it says in the message. And this is powerful. These words, Jesus says, that my word, the Bible, the words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. So don't treat them as such. The the words that I'm giving you, God's word, the Bible, isn't a homeowner improvement to your standard of living. No, they are foundational words. Look at this, words to build a life on. God's word is words to build a life on. If you work these into your life, Jesus says, if you take my word and you work it into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. And he goes on to say, there's storms coming. Like storms are going to hit your life. And if you build a house on the sand, your house is going to crumble. But when you build a house on a solid rock, on a firm foundation, it doesn't matter how bad the storm is. And that's what I want for you. Like as your pastor, if I could prevent the storms from hitting you, I would do anything in my power to keep the storms from hitting you. The reality is you're going to go through storms. You're going to go through, 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 through storms that are going to hit your life. And if you're not building your life on a solid rock, if you're not building your life on a firm foundation, it's going to crumble. So let me make this very practical. Now, let me just give you three quick things. And we're going to, we're going to turn the message now on a dime and make it very, very practical. How do you live it out? How do you do it? Here's number one. You have to accept its authority. Listen, your attitude towards the Bible makes a massive difference on whether or not it works for you. You have to accept the authority. Is this just another book? Or is this the inerrant, infallible, the very word of a living God to you? Like, like what, what is your view on the Bible? For it to work, you've got to accept its authority. And I know some of you are thinking, well, well it doesn't make sense to me. Like, like, like I read stuff and there's things in there that it just don't make sense to me. Can I be honest with you? There's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense to me that I accept. Like digestion. I have no idea how digestion works, yet I still eat. Like I'm not going to stop eating because I can't figure it out. Like, like breathing. I have no idea how you know, oxygen comes into my lungs and somehow powers my body. It makes no sense to me at all, but I still breathe. Like, like, like I'm still doing it, don't understand it, but I do it. There's a lot of things I don't understand that I accept. Here's the thing, when you run into places in the Bible where you don't accept or, or you don't understand or, or it doesn't quite make sense to you, you've got a choice. Are you going to trust yourself or are you going to trust God? And this is a big deal in our culture today. I mean, we're living in a world that th- this book is becoming you know, socially offensive and culturally and, and, and people are like, well, that needs to be updated and, and, and that doesn't kind of fit into where we're at as America right now. Can I say to you? Culture changes, God doesn't. And you've got a choice. You can build your life on a firm foundation, or you you can build your life on sand. But your, your view of the Bible matters. Whether or not you accept this to be God's word and God's authority in your life makes a big difference on whether or not it works for you. Look at this. We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. This is, this is the Bible. Like, like whether you're reading it or whether, whether it's being taught to you, whether you're hearing it. L- look at this. You accepted it. 
You accepted it. This word accepted in the Greek is the word dekomai. The Greek word means to welcome a stranger into your home. Like a stranger knocks on your door and you welcome them in for dinner. You let them stay the night. That's what this Greek word means. He's saying, listen, when you first heard it, it sounded like a stranger to you. Like you didn't get it, didn't make sense. It kind of went against everything you were taught your whole life, but you accepted it. You welcomed this stranger into your life, not as the word of men, but actually as it is the very word of God. Now, look what happens when they accepted it, when, when, when they took something that was strange, when they took something that didn't quite make sense to them, and, and, and they couldn't quite figure it out, and their, their human mind couldn't fully comprehend it, yet they welcomed this stranger into their life as the very word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Look at that, at work. It works. Some of you are thinking, well, I read the Bible, and it doesn't work. Like, like what you're talking about doesn't happen. Well, you haven't accepted it. You have an ex- you're viewing it skeptically. Like there has to be an element of accepting it by faith for it to work. Because it does work, but your attitude towards it matters. So here at Coastline, here's our position as a church. We believe in the closed canon of Scripture. That's what we believe as a church, which simply means there are not, nor ever will be, any other books, any other books, verses, ideas, added to the Bible or placed beside it as equal in authority or revelation, meaning that everything we do as a church is to be measured by this book. If you ever hear me teach anything that contradicts God's word, I'm telling you right now, ignore me, throw me out, and you go with God because God's word stands. It is the final authority for all we are, all we believe, and it is the measurement for our life. And that's how it works. You accept it for its authority. Now, once you settle the issue of its authority, the next thing you do is you got to assimilate its truths. In other words, you've got to work it into every area of your life. You work it into your marriage. You work it into your career. You work it into finances. You've got to work God's word into to every area of your life. Well, well, how do I do that? Okay, let me give you some sub points. First off is you've got to listen to God's word. You have to listen, and that's what you're doing tonight. You're here tonight listening to God's word. You're here tonight hearing the word of God being taught to you, hearing hearing scripture being read and revealed. You're, You're listening to that in church. Let me just say for a moment, and I hesitated, you know, whether or not I should say this. I thought about it all week long, you know, kind of in the culture of North County where we're at. But let me just say this. It is very, very important that you strategically plan out how much you hear God's word, how much you listen to God's word. It is so important that you plan this out, that you have a strategic plan. It blows me away how many people don't prioritize church. Like, it just blows me away. Like, somebody the other day, they walked up to me after service, like, like man, we were so glad we decided to come to church today. And I looked at them thinking, you didn't have it in your schedule? Like, like you, you didn't plan on being here ahead? Of, no, we just woke up and thought, hey, we're up early. Why don't we go to church? I'm like, no, no, you got to put this in your schedule. And, and here in my heart, I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to build you. Like, you're, I mean, Jesus made this his custom. And Jesus didn't need to. Like, like, if anybody didn't need to show up to church once a week, it was Jesus. I mean, he had such an incredible relationship with the Father. If anyone didn't need to be here, it was him. And yet Jesus himself made it his custom that every week he was in his Father's house. Why? Because faith 
is activated through hearing the word of God. Look at this. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing. And what happens when you hear the word of God, when you, when you consume the word of God, hearing becomes rhema. This is the Greek word rhema. So when you, when you put yourself in a position to hear God's word, you put yourself in a position for that, that word to change from logos to rhema and begin to activate faith in your life. That's why I don't miss a Sunday. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you don't miss a Sunday because you get paid to be here. No, no, no. Before I got paid to be here, I didn't miss a Sunday. Like when I gave my life to Jesus, this, there, was, it was, there was never a discussion on what I was going to do on Sunday. It was like I was in, the, even when we go on vacation, my wife laughs at me because like we'll be on a cruise and, and we love to go on cruises. We're always looking for those last minute deals and we'll be in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And if it's Sunday morning, I'm getting out the, the navigator, the, the activities guide, and I'm looking for a church service because they have them every Sunday on the cruise. It's usually like me and three other people, but we're there. It's like, it's like this, this isn't just a job to me. This is my life life. I, I, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said like this, therefore consider carefully, consider carefully how you listen. Well, I've considered carefully and I'm going to listen every week. I mean, that's just, I can like, like my son, he's not going to get a choice. I have considered carefully for my son. He is going to be in church every Sunday. Like, like, it's not, going to be an, it's not going to be a choice for him when he gets to high school. I've considered for him, and I've carefully considered it for him, and he's going to listen to the word of God. That's, that's just how it is. You've got, you've, you've got to have a strategic plan for listening to the word of God. Here's the next thing is you need to read God's word. Not only is it listening to the word of God, we need to be, re, we need to be feeding ourselves spiritually. Jesus says this book is bread. Like, like literally, this is spiritual food. He, he, he says right here, he goes, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is food. We, we are to read it daily. How? Let, let, let me again make this very, very practical for you. First off, get a paper Bible. I'm telling you right now, get a paper Bible. We have them available tonight. If you don't have a paper Bible, we give hundreds of these away every single year as a church. It's, it's one of our favorite things to do. They are free of charge. Take one tonight at our information center. Here's the thing. Like we can all, you know, read the Bible on our iPad, iPhone. And I do. There's times where I love to read it. But, but this, this digital Bible, let me say it like this. The, the digital Bible, this is our Bible. This right here, this is my Bible. Like, I love the Bible, but I love this Bible specifically. This, this is actually the Bible that doesn't leave my house. It's not the one I have on Sunday. This is my study Bible. I've had this since 1996. I mean, I've got, you know, pages marked up in here and notes to myself and, and all sorts of, like, I can't always find a verse in the Bible, but I can find it in here. Like, I know it's like at the top of the right-hand corner of, uh, of a page towards the back, and I can flip and find it quickly and easily and then look up the reference because this is my Bible. There's something powerful about a paper Bible in your life. Like, I, I read a number of studies this week on the Internet that reading digitally, you don't retain as much information digitally. Like, there's something about holding it in your hand. There's something about kind of seeing how many pages you have left that just helps you retain the information so much more. Here's the next thing I want to say. Set aside a time. It's amazing to me how many people do not dignify the Word of God in their life. 
they don't give it a place of honor. They just, you know, they, they just say, well, I, I, you know, I try to squeeze in the Bible here. If I have time, I'll read it there. Or, or maybe I'll just listen to it on the way to work because I don't really have time to read it. And so I'll just listen to it on the way to work. That there's just no dignity to it. That, that, there's no honor to it. I'm telling you right now, there's something powerful when you give the Bible a place of dignity in your life. When you actually put it into your calendar, put it, even if I have an early, like if I get a 6 a.m. meeting, you know, some week, I get up earlier to read the Bible because I'm not doing anything else until I've had God speak to me. Like, I'm not going to check the email. I'm not going to get on the internet. Like, the first thing I want is God speaking to me every day. And can I just say, if you, just, if you really gave the Bible a place of dignity in your life and you really made it a priority in your life, you'll come back to me seven days later and say, this is one of the best weeks of my life. Like when you put God first every day, it'll be one of the best weeks of your life. So give it a place of dignity in your life. Have a plan. I'm a big believer in having plans. That's why we do our one-year Bible reading plan. And, and these are available outside, or you can do them online. And it's powerful. You get a psalm, you get a proverb, you get a New Testament, Old Testament, every single day. And for the average reader, it takes about 15 minutes a day, and you read through the entire Bible in one year. I mean, having a plan is powerful. doesn't have to be this plan but get a plan. There's 89 chapters in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read three chapters a day, it would take you one month to read through all four gospels. What if you just took a year and just every month read all four gospels? Just get a year of getting Jesus inside of you. Proverbs has 31 chapters. You can basically read one chapter a day and just get wisdom for life and, and understanding for life. I mean, there's so many plans out there but you need to have a plan. And then lastly, don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. You know, one verse of the Bible says the Bible is like a mirror to our soul. Like when you read the Bible, you, you want to look for your reflection and you want to ask yourself, am I reflecting this? Like, like is this, th does this look like my life? How do I let this book read me and search me? And then the last step of kind of assimilating the truth of God's word in your life is explore God's word, which is basically studying the Bible. You need, to, you need to meditate, you need to read, you need to listen, but you also need to learn how to study. In week four of this series, I'm going to teach you how to study the Bible. We're going to go through a whole message on how to practically study the Bible. But let me just say tonight, the best way you can learn how to study the Bible is in a connect group. It's one, of the, it's one of the number one reasons why we have connect groups is to get people talking about the Bible together because you begin to see how it's working in somebody else's life and you begin to apply it to your life and powerful things take place. David says it like this in Psalms 119, I've hidden your word. Like I took the word of God and I, and I hid it in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Some of you have been struggling with sin and you hate it. Like you don't want to do that anymore. Like you hate, every time you do it, you hate it. Well, one of the reasons you haven't hidden it deep down in your heart. I'm telling you right now, if you'll marry meditating on the Bible and listening to the Bible and reading the Bible, studying the Bible, getting in a connect group with other people, I'll tell you one of the benefits is it'll keep you away from sin. It'll keep you away from sin in a powerful way. All right, let me give you number three. It's just a couple minutes and then we'll be out of here. Number three is you got to apply its principles. First, you got to accept it as the authority of God in your life. Then you've got to assimilate it into your life, kind of work it into every area of your life. But not just learning it, you've got to actually do it after you learn it. Like, like once it's revealed to you, you got to do it. You got to take action. You got to put it into motion in your life. 
James says it like this. Do not merely listen to the word. Like you can come to church every Sunday and listen to it. No, no, no. Don't just do that and so deceive yourself. I don't know how many people come to church every Sunday and they think they're good people because they show up. You don't get points for showing up. Can I just say right now, you don't get any points in heaven for showing up on Sunday. You get points when you put it in action. You get points when you put it in motion. You get points when, when, when you come on Sunday and you look at the Sunday service as a gas station. Not as a resort, not as like a spa, like, like I went and I, you know, I got, got, you know, it was fun. No, 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 it's a gas station. That's what Sunday is. You're here to get empowered and filled up and, and let God reveal truth to you so that you can go out and make a massive difference in your world. Not in the world, in your world. You have a world that you live in, people that you work with, neighbors. God's heart for you is to make a difference in your world. Do what it says. So take what you learn and do what it says. And one of the best ways you can do that is find a verse. What do I mean? You can find a verse for anything. And no matter what challenge you're going through in life, no matter what situation, whether you're, you're thinking about buying a new house or you're up for a new job or you're going through a marriage crisis, find a verse. Like there is a verse in the Bible for any situation you're going through and you, you can hang your life on a verse. Like you, you can grab a verse and you can just meditate on that verse. And, and that, that's what I do with the one-year Bible every day. Like, like when I read the one-year Bible, the four chapters, five chapters that we read every morning, honestly, I, I'm not trying to like consume all that information. Really what I do when I read the one-year Bible is I ask God, God, give me one verse today. Let one verse just jump off the page at me. Let one verse, and when that jumps off the page, then I write it down. I take it throughout the day. Like today, it was Luke chapter 10, verse 21, where, where Jesus was, was, was full of joy in the Holy Spirit. And he said, God, I want to thank you that all this good stuff hasn't been revealed to these people who think they're so wise, but you've given it to people who have childlike faith. And I just thought, that just jumped out at me today. And I said, God, I want to I have childlike faith. I don't want to think I'm wise. I don't want to think I'm all that smart or all, I'm, I'm not. I mean, honestly, maybe you've picked up on this, but that's why in my messages, I use lots and lots of scripture because the more Bible I use, the smarter people think I am. Because honestly, without the Bible, I'm, all not, I'm not all that smart. It's like, like I'm going to the word with every point. Like I want to base everything I say on God's word because it makes me so much smarter than I am on my own. So I find a verse, find a verse for everything. I, you know, I, I grew up and, and, you know, didn't have the easiest of life with my dad leaving when I was young and then kind of getting involved in drugs and alcohol at a young age and then addictions and just literally I felt like years of my life were robbed. Years of my life were robbed to addiction and pain and, and depression and just, just a lot of stuff. And, and when I really surrendered my life to Christ, I had a lot of regret. And thought, you know what? I mean, it's like I've lost so much. Got so much I'm ashamed of, so much that I regret. I thought, I need a verse. I need a verse that I can build my life on. I need a verse that I can, when, when Satan comes at me and begins to remind me of my past, when Satan begins to remind me of all the years that I've wasted, all the years that, that, that were t- taken from me, all the pain and the heartache that I've been through. Every time Satan, because for, for years, Satan would just try to remind me of my past and tell me you're no good and your future, you know, God doesn't love you and God doesn't care about you and, 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 and you're broken and you've wasted your life and you've got all this, this junk and you're never gonna be used of God. I needed something to build my life on. And I'll show you the verse that, that for years became the verse I hung my life on and it was in Joel where the Lord says, I will give you back. God says, I will give you back. 
what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense at all to you, but basically, if you study it out, those are basically four demonic spirits just sent to destroy our life. And I didn't have just one. I had like all of them. Like, I, I think I had more locusts than that coming against me. It's like, like, I just had one thing after another in my life. And I just said, you know what? God's going to give it all back. God's going God's to give me time back. He's going to give me years back. He's going he, to so bless me that I'm not going to live my life with shame and regret. I'm not going to live my life beating myself up for yesterday because God's going to give it back to me. And can I tell you, I'm living proof that this works. I stand here today and God has given it all back. Like I got the most incredible wife, an amazing son. I got the most phenomenal family, this church. Like I get to do church with with some of the greatest people in the world. Like God has given me everything back. I live the most, I wake up every day excited about my job. Like, like I love what I get to do. And, and, and I literally get to do it for a living. Like all the years I've wasted, I should not be in this position right now. I should not get to enjoy life as much as I'm enjoying life with my past. I mean, I should be living my life, brokenness, regret, shame, beating myself up. And yet I wake up every day fired up about God fired up about my job just just enjoy, like like sometimes i think it's unfair that i enjoy life as much as i enjoy life i really do it's like like it can't be fair that i have this job like i love it with all my heart i'm telling you i will give you back everything that was taken god has done it god has given me back everything that satan took from me everything he tried to destroy me with the years that, that he stole from me, God has given me back so much life and joy that it doesn't even compare. So I'm telling you, find a verse. There's a verse that you can build your life on. Whatever, whatever it is. And, and, and God's word is new every day. So, so the verse that he may have given you yesterday, he'll give you another one tomorrow if you need one tomorrow. And you build your life on it. You build your life on that firm foundation. It works. It, all I, it, it is it works. Would you close your eyes with me? Thank you for letting me go a few minutes long tonight. I mean, I'm just fired up about this. I know you can tell. I just, I love this message. I really do. I just think, man, if there's anything at all that that I could help you kind of grab hold of as your pastor, it's God's word. Like when God's word becomes real to you and it becomes your daily bread and you feed off it and it just, it comes a life inside of you. I mean, it, it'll change every aspect of your life. It'll change your marriage, your career, your parent. Everything will change when, when this becomes the, the center of your life, when you build your life on his word. It's powerful. It's powerful. Some of you tonight, though, need to take the first step, which which in one sense is the point that I talked about where you got to accept it as the very word of God. Now, to accept it as the very word of God, you've got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. See, when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, and, and the word Lord means he's the boss. He's the ruler. He calls the shots, not you. That's what Lord means. When, when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, his word becomes supreme. Like if he's your commanding officer then his word becomes your battle plan. And God's word becomes the authority of your life when he's the commanding officer. 
And so for some of you tonight, you've got to take the first step and invite Jesus to be your commanding officer and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, which simply means you rearrange your entire life to reflect he's number one. You rearrange your time, your priorities, your, your family, your income, your every aspect of your life. You rearrange it where it reflects Jesus is the center. Jesus is the number one of every area of my life. See, here's the thing. You have a list. We all have a list. On your list is things like your marriage and your job and your kids and your house and your car. I mean, we got all sorts of stuff on our list. The question tonight is where is Jesus on your list? Because Lord means Jesus is number one on the list. And please don't fool yourself. You can't squeeze Jesus into second place in your life. And I know in your mind, you think he's somewhere on the list because that's one of the reasons you're in church tonight. But the truth is, it only works if he's number one. Like it's all or nothing with him. Like he sets the rules, not, not us. Like I wish I could tell you, you could, you know, you could, you could kind of give half your heart to Jesus and, and it doesn't work that way. You give your whole heart to Jesus. He didn't die like a half death for you. He gave himself fully for you on the cross. And somebody who, who died a, a full death for you, it only makes sense that what he wants back is all of you. It, it, you, need to, you need somebody to love you enough to let you know it's an all or nothing deal doesn't work any other way all or nothing he's either number one in your life or he's not on your list please don't deceive yourself study it out i mean it's very clear in his word it's not that he doesn't love you it's not that he doesn't like not that that he he doesn't he desperately wants to be i mean let's be honest look at the cross and 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 ask yourself how much does he want to be a part of your life i mean just look at the cross like, I, I don't think he could prove anymore that he wants to be a part of your life. So, so, so don't, don't think it's not because he doesn't love you. It's that he can't take anything but number one in your life. And so tonight, those of you that are here that need to kind of cross that line of surrendering your life to Jesus, not playing church or playing religion or, or inviting Jesus to be a part of your life. Don't, it's not about, you know, come be a part of my life. No, it's like, come be my commanding officer, Jesus. Come be the Lord. Come be number one in my life. And this is tough. I know it's tough. Like, like I'm not going to water it down for you and try to make it easy, you know, and sell you something that, that, that really isn't there. I'm going to just let you know exactly the way it is, and you get to decide tonight whether or not you want it. Take it or leave it. This, this is the deal. It's all or nothing. So with every eye closed tonight, for those of you that want to surrender, that want to give him your entire life tonight, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to walk down to the front tonight. You don't even have to pray this prayer out loud tonight. You can, you can pray this prayer in your heart. God will listen to your heart. He'll respond to your heart tonight. So I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you in any way at all. It's between you and God. But just so I know who's praying with me tonight, with every eye closed out of respect, if, if, you're, if you're here and say, okay, you're talking to me, and I'm ready to make that decision. I want to pray with you tonight. With nobody looking around, would you just very quickly raise your hand so that I know who's praying with me tonight? And it's just so I can see who's praying with me. Right now, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. 
Here's the prayer. Jesus, tonight, I invite you to be number one in my life. And I'm willing for whatever that means. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my past. Jesus, thank you that you will never hold my past against me. But if I would admit that I'm a sinner, and I admit tonight I'm a sinner, I need your grace. You said you would be faithful to forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Those of you that prayed with me tonight, I want to encourage you to take one more step tonight. And this is something you can do on your own. On the connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I committed my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. Your prayer reflected one of those decisions. Would you let us know so that we can pray for you? We'll also send you an email that gives you some of the next steps of what it means to to pursue that that decision in your life, and, and we'll help you with it. Would you stand with me as we close tonight? Since we're in the series on the Word, I'm going to give you an old-fashioned benediction right out of the Bible. I, I, you know, As we're talking about find a verse, I found a verse that I'm going to be praying for you this week. I'm praying this over our church this week. Number six, may the Lord bless you, Coastline Church, and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. I'm praying this over you all week long in the name of Jesus.